Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. How's it going, everybody? This is the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I am your host, Jared Berenstein, and today we have episode 102, featuring legendary poet Walt Whitman and legendary nightclub owner Steve Rubell. That's right, the man behind Leaves of Grass and the man behind Studio 54, together at last. It is the pairing that has the world saying, finally. Uh, you'll want to stick around at the end of the episode. I add a little bit of cute bonus content for you guys. And uh, also just a little biographical note for you guys. Uh, I had to edit out a little bit of audio from this episode because I thought that Walt Whitman, I confused Walt Whitman and uh, Robert Frost for two poems that uh, we talked about for I just, uh, I was dumb, and I thought the two Robert Frost poems were Walt Whitman poems, and so I had to get that content out of there. And, uh, yeah, that's just a little silly story about how dumb I am. Um, but before we get to the episode, don't forget that you can check out the freshest eps every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. I want to hear from you guys. Please do. Buy my book, The Kellyanne Comedy Technique. It is out now, and it is hilarious. Rate and review the podcast. Leave a comment. Tell your friends. Share. We want to we wanna up these numbers, guys. And, of course, check out my website, jaredberenstein.com, for all the latest updates on upcoming projects and shows. But for now, we got Steve Rubell and we got Walt Whitman for you guys. Not Robert Foss. Walt Whitman on Famous Dead People. Enjoy. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous dead people, people you know. Famous dead people, famous dead people. The story stuck in the head. You're gonna hear more from me than though all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are legendary American nightclub owner and entrepreneur, the man behind the infamous New York disco Studio 54, Steve Rubell. Hello, it's me, Steve Rubell. Happy to be here. And 19th century poet and essayist, famous for works such as Leaves of Grass, Walt Whitman. Walt, hello there. Uh, Mr. Instead Whitman, of Mr. Why, hello there. <laughs> oh, that's cute. I Instead like that. Instead of why, hello there, I said hello, why, why uh, Walt, hello there. Uh, Mr. I certainly hope that becomes a recurring bit. Uh, no. Mr. Whitman. Well, it's very Rubell. clever. It's clever. I'm a poet. Thank you, so much for joining us here on Famous Dead People. Oh, it's Why, wonderful. It's so great. You go. <laughs> no, you no, go. So <laughs> you go, you. Walt. Sorry. It's the only moment I'm going to let you speak this whole time. Okay, I'm talking. So. I'm sorry. But yeah, I'm really excited to be here. That's great. Well, let's start with you, Mr. Whitman. So you yeah. are one of the most influential poets in the American canon. You are often called the father of free verse, uh, which goo, is goo, we all goo, know. Goo, as I like to say. Uh, I'm sorry, what? That's the thing I gave birth to. Goo goo gaga. Yeah, so you gave that's birth the sound it makes. to free verse. Yeah, and that's because free verse you gave birth you. to it, it was a baby. Yeah. And so, all right, that makes sense. Thank you. Um, but what I wanted to talk to you about was your main work, your sort of like your lexicon, Leaves of Grass, which you first published in 1855. You're 36 years old. And you continue to tinker with Leaves of Grass for the rest of your life. You even did like a deathbed version of Leaves of Grass. Uh, there are six to nine different published versions of Leaves, Leaves of Grass out there. Uh, the original was 12 poems. By the time we got to the last one, it had grown to 400 poems. And I'm wondering, why continue working on and adding to Leaves of Grass? Why not leave it alone and put together separate works instead? I was trying to match 
the leaves of grass that there were in poems. You mean to say... Like, if you were looking at a field, I wanted each leaf, each little thing of grass to be a poem. Oh, and so the same way that leaves of grass might continue to multiply on a lawn, you were... No? No, you're wrong. (laughs) The... So... If I had to be clear, which mm-hmm. it looks like I have to, uh, I was walking down this like beautiful forest and I tripped and I fell down a really long hill and I felt every single blade of grass against my naked body as I was falling. Oh, so you, you were new. You were I naked. Was, I was taking a bath in a pond. Okay. Oh, time. a pond bath. Yeah. I was oh. letting the fish bathe me. Ew. Ew. <laughs> Ew. I'm a poet. There's I nothing, only... nothing more natural than letting the the fish of of the pond, you know, caress your naked body. Yeah, and, and clean me. How I you clean you. I wouldn't know anything about that. I only bathe in champagne. Well, <laughs> you know those fish that um suck when you're like go to a fish tank and, and they, they give mouth? you like little little like foot massages and stuff. I've seen those like yeah. where you put your feet in and the and the fish like eat no, shut it. up. You're not. You got. You don't got it. Right. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> These are, uh, when you go to a fish tank and you see the little fish with their mouth against the screen mm, and they're okay. like sucking on the screen for no reason. Oh. I like those. Shut. Stop it. <laughs> disgusting. It's not disgusting. Well, I've had a bathe. lot of different beings sucking on me, but never a fish. <laughs> I want little fishies to get the little dirt off of me. Gotcha. So they like, they suck the, the dead skin, the detritus off of you. Yeah. And, and like you... the old deodorant and the old, you know. What, yeah. what do you mean the old deodorant? You know, you like have old deodorant between your armpits and your taint. Oh, right. Yeah. Gotcha. And your taint. Yeah, you put <laughs> you it in. put deodorant <laughs> on your taint? It's another form of uh, armpit, right? It's it a is, leg pit. It is, so del- it is so adorable how shocked you are by these things, Steve Rubell. I just thought this was going to be a clean show. <laughs> And it's not. Dude, you can talk about it's internet radio, Steve Rebell. You can talk about whatever you want. Oh, I haven't heard or talked about. Well, you my know, dick I yet. never censor myself. I I'm see. just surprised. <laughs> of course. So I mean, we will get to this. It might have been smarter for you to have censored yourself at certain points in your life, but we'll get to that How later on the show. How dare you? Uh, How dare you? So you're saying, uh, Walt Whitman, you were bathing naked. You were uh, naked. You were letting the fish. Suck off the dirt and the detritus from your skin. Yeah, like a poet. Like a poet. Yeah. And uh, then yeah. you get up, you fall down this hill, and all these different leaves of grass are... are chopping me up. Really chopping bad. you up. Yeah, I had tender skin because those famously, fish... <laughs> <laughs> I see. The fish, fish had wor- worn down the thickness of your skin yeah. to the point where even a leaf of grass could cut you open. Yeah, it cut me open real bad. So mm. I fell down the hill, and I looked at my ravished body with like little fish bite marks and also blades of grass cuts. Oh man, must have been a sight. It was brutal. And I decided from that day forward, I need to write a poem for every little bit of pain that I was in. Okay. And so which then, was a lot. Then why start with 12 then? Why not just wait until you had the number of leaves of grass that you required for to, to I create I needed the money. <laughs> I see. And then I was just calling it a Blades of Glass because I was like, that was my biggest hit. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if I called it anything else, people would get confused. Gotcha, you know? gotcha. If you okay. have a hashtag, you got to keep it. Sort of like sort of like how the Fast and the Furious movies, like they were doing, you know, Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, you know, Tokyo Drift. Go Fast in Tokyo. And yeah. then, then, they just, then they just started calling them like Fast and Furious again. 
you yeah. know, even they though they just went back. Yeah, exactly. Did I they... love those films. Yeah, well, they're one. They're such they're a spectacle. Fun. They're yeah. marvelous. I think that if anybody's going to appreciate a spectacle, it would be someone like you. You understand, Steve Rubell, the the value of something just being big and exciting and. Uh, you know, just like over the top, right? If there's one thing I love, it's a spectacle, Jared. <laughs> of course. Yes. Well, before we go over to you, Steve Rubell, I just wanted to finish up on Leaves of Grass. Yeah. Uh, so Walt Whitman, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Ralph, the poet Ralph Waldo Emerson was an early fan of Leaves of Grass. Yeah. His yeah, praise yeah. and attention helped you gain some notoriety. Um, how did he feel about all these different versions? Like sometimes when I'm a big fan of something, then it gets revised and I don't really like the fact that it got revised. I'm like, oh, well, the, the original was, was perfect. Did you ever get any feedback from Waldo Emerson about the other, the subsequent versions of Leaves of Grass? Yeah, he saw right through my bullshit, you know? <laughs> he was like, why didn't you name it something else? You know, what's done is done. It's kind of the fans now. You can't just, like, redo it, kind of like the Star Wars. Mm, you know just what I mean? like the Star Wars. <laughs> just like the Star Wars. I was, like, making prequels to... You know, the other poems. Yeah, nobody needs to know how the grass is grown. Yeah. We only care about the grass once it's out of the ground. We're right. excited about the grass. And then Jar Jar Banks got involved. We don't Ugh. need to see, we don't need to hear a poem about the seed that That's got planted right. the leaved of grass. Yeah. Um, or the, I animal, I... the animal that decomposed into the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Well, it was a real cash grab at the time, and Jar Jar Banks was kind of cheap at that very moment. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Yeah. Well, Jar Jar was... Banks always works cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was very yeah. forward thinking of you to have a character named Jar Jar in there. I'm sure it makes sense in the context no. that leaves the... It does not make <laughs> no, sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. I see. I never understood why his name is Jar Jar if he's not going to be a talking jar. Yeah, it is. It does feel like a missed opportunity. He should be a jar. When George Lucas passes away, we'll get him in the studio and we can ask him about that. Mm. Should we uh, kill him? Should we kill George Lucas? No, we I try. <laughs> Do you think the three of us, Walt, me, Jared Berenstein, the poet Walt Whitman, and former club promoter and owner yeah. Steve Rebell should get together and try to assassinate... Uh, uh, what's his name? I don't know. Uh, George Lucas. <laughs> George Lucas, the creator think, of Star Wars. I think we've solved. I think just because I can't even remember the name, no, the answer uh, is no. We're let, not going to be able to do this. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. it would only take me to assassinate him because there's never been a strain of coke that I can't give to someone <laughs> that will stop their heart in an instant. You just need to figure out what strain uh, of coke to use. So you're like a poison expert, but I what am. you use specifically is different strains of cocaine. Of course, Don. Ah, that is how you have uh, you were able to fight your way to the top of the New York club scene. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing now. So let's uh, let's talk to you, Steve Rubell, about. Yeah, sorry uh, that I've already hijacked the conversation. No, 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 no. That's what I do. Listen, I want this to be a conversation. You know, that's why yes. I have uh, two people on at the same time. Absolutely. Uh, so your infamous club, Studio 54. It was the it was a supernova of the 1970s club scene. I one love the, that description. One of the, thank that... you very much. One of the best. Known nightclubs in the world. In giant, the world, giant baby. lines out the door. Darling, extremely impressive list of celebrity regulars. From Everyone: Andy Warhol, Elizabeth Taylor, Mick Jagger, Tommy Hilfiger, Cher, Al Pacino. The list goes on and on. Bert and Ernie. Bert, I'm sorry, Bert and Ernie. <laughs> yes, Bert and Ernie were the regulars. Sesame Street characters, Bert and Ernie. Yes, I'm let not me, surprised by let's this. Let's talk about that. Yes. Okay, so Bert and Ernie. Um, I have to imagine maybe their people call you up and they're like, hey, Bert and Ernie want to come to the club or would they just wait in line just like everybody else and so, you're out there. 
Everybody you know, had to wait in the line. Everybody. The Even line the celebrities? Was, was the democratizing force Ooh. for Studio 54. Well, once okay. I got to know the celebrities, I made some decisions as to who to let in or not. Mm-hmm. Truman Capote, no. Burton Ernie, yes. <laughs> the stripes were wonderful, darling. Mm-hmm. They were very nice stripes, the so stripes. I let them in. You're, you're talking about the clothing that they were wearing yes, on Burton Ernie. their sweaters, mm-hmm. the couture. Yeah, they were beautiful. Why not Truman Capote? Because what the fuck had he done in the last few years? I mean, really? In cold blood? Mm -hmm. So 10 years ago. Yes. uh, You know what's in cold blood is your career, buddy. You know? Exactly. Oh, that was good. (laughs) Maybe I should hire you to be a go-go boy for Uh, me. Breakfast at Tiffany's? Call me when you've you've written dinner at Tiffany's. I was going to say, call me for dinner. (laughs) Call me for dinner, Truman, not breakfast. You're working the line at Studio 54 Mm. as you are want to do. That's... You see Bert and Ernie with their striped sweaters mm-hmm. on and you do what, Steve Rebell? I say, come on in, darlings. <laughs> and then I threw a party for them so lavish you had never seen anything like it before. Oh, let's get some details, man. What's we had rubber like? duckies hanging from the <laughs> ceilings. Wow. <laughs> we flooded the entire dance floor with pigeons for Bert's. Oh, delightful. It was Bert wonderful. Bert loves pigeons. He did the pigeon in the dance on the dance floor. Mm. With beautiful dancers surrounding him and elevating his dance moves to the likes no one had ever seen. Wow. Bottle caps. Bottle caps full of cocaine for Bert. Okay. I was, mm-hmm. I was about to say what separates us from a children's party and <laughs> a party for Bert. Well, that was the thing about Studio 54, darling, is what did separate it from a children's party? Very little. Mm. Maybe the confession. Sounds were like a cocaine different. separated. Yeah, the, the drugs. I think it was <laughs> yeah. the drugs, probably. Well, yes, cocaine separated it, but we certainly ate birthday cake from time to time and rubbed ourselves in it, just like children do at birthday parties, like rubbing themselves in birthday cake. Children love just taking handfuls of birthday cake and just smushing it all over their their uh, exposed skin. Mm, yeah, it's really while disgusting. Yes. Listening to uh, <laughs> some hot disco tunes. Yes, hot disco tunes. I'm just trying yes. to. I was... DJ Jelly Bean. Doing <laughs> remixes of the Happy Birthday song. I was desperately trying to think of a disco uh, group for oh that. a group a group yeah who, who, well we had groups who perform and we had DJs Bee-Gees? perform yeah like what I'm trying to the Bee Gees thank you the Bee Gees the Bee Gees that's the one I was going for yes the milk toast of I the disco know. world I want to know white, they're white? <laughs> yes because they were too white everybody knows white <laughs> people enough. make the worst disco <laughs> that's they were, right they started that Beatles movie have you guys seen that one Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band the movie maybe wait the Bee the Bee Gees were in that Beatles movie the they Bee Gees were- started and Sasha Pepper's Lily Hot Club and the movie. They were in the one with the mustard crew. Steve Martin was in it. Yes. Am I time? Right you're there? talking about Sasha Pepper's Lily Hot Club and the movie. Fair enough. Mm. Yes. I'm not sure. So the were the Beatles in that movie? No, it was just the Bee Gees. Just the Bee Gees. Bee Steve Martin. I want to say some other famous peeps. You know, I'm a I'm a big Beatles fan, but my problem has always been that the Beatles aren't the Bee Gees. You know, like everything the Beatles do, I'm like, oh, this would be so much better if it was the Bee Gees. My problem this, is you know? that the Bee Gees aren't the Beatles. We Ooh. had John in the club a few times. Oh yeah, can't wait to hear all about that. But what I wanted to ask you about Studio 54 was John what, Goodman, right? What did you he do? He was there too. What did you do Sorry. different? 
that made you the number one club to go to? Like, there are there things that clubs do now that you pioneered, and that's like the reason why everybody was going to Studio Fifty Four instead of what other clubs were big at the time in the seventies. Well, darling, I mean, I have uh, I had a really good business opportunity with Studio Fifty Four, and All the right. business opportunity was that at the time in the late seventies in New York, the rest of New York was on fire. <laughs> So people, right. when they were waiting in line to get in, when they were waiting in line to get in, they were waiting in line to get in because they were trying to escape being burned alive. So just New York was just violent fires breaking out all over the place. Yes, but I had the foresight to fireproof Studio 54. I see. How'd you do that? Club. How did I fireproof it? Yeah. I lined the walls with bodies. So <laughs> the bodies would be burned first before the structure of the club. Smart. Gorgeous, young, beautiful body. That is okay. That is a good job. That is the definition of fireproofing. Why do they need to be beautiful? (laughs) Because everything at Studio Fifty Four was beautiful, darling. Uh, Even if it's rotting corpses. Well, no, 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 no. If a body got burned, I'd say, "Oh no, take that body out." No. Put in another body. This body's done. And this body is well done. Mm. It's burned. It's over well done. I see. And so yes. other clubs made the mistake of being in places where, where they were fire. was not on fire. The Mud Club on fire. I see. Paradise Garage Fire and so the Pyramid Club fire. They, they didn't have the foresight of to put young, nubile, beautiful bodies all around the edges of it, which would burn before the club would burn. Mm. That's very savvy, it really is. I kind of thought, oh, you. Should, you I was just talk. gonna say, I'm very savvy. Yes, <laughs> I kind of thought the Mud Club would survive because if everything's covered in mud, you can't be on. Fire. Well, you'd think that the Mud Club would survive. Yeah. However. The mud club was not made out of mud. It was made out of balsa wood, which was a big balsa. mistake. Advertising, yes. if I've ever heard it uh, said before. Yeah, pyramid that's... club? Hmm? What was the pyramid club made out of? The pyramid club was made out of pyramids. <laughs> so that's not flammable. Pyramids, surprise, are a fire trap. No, the really? fire gets trapped in the, the in the in yeah. the triangle that is the pyramid. Well, it's funny because the bottom of a pyramid doesn't have much oxygen in it. That's right. Because uh, it's like deep and it's like thick. So there's like not much oxygen to breathe, which is why they had the um, Baghdad battery, mm-hmm. which was like early electricity. This is uh, this is going way over my head. Which is yes, why... I don't know anything about this, darling. Which <laughs> yeah. is why fire is like if you brought a, a torch down there, you would probably suffocate from the smoke, but also the fire wouldn't last very long because mm. there wasn't much oxygen. So they made a Baghdad battery. And this is where aliens come into play. Because it's the earliest version of like electricity and nothing else quite like it. Okay, mm. Walt Whitman. <laughs> yeah, I don't Walt know Whitman. if I believe you anymore. This is ancient aliens. Yeah. Oh, really, yeah. Walt? This ancient is, aliens. I am not surprised that Walt Whitman came in here and talking about ancient aliens. Neither am I. If you're, uh, great. If, I you're just, if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio for Brooklyn, and my guests today are 19th century poet and essayist and uh, ancient aliens aficionado Walt Whitman. <laughs> Walt, hello there. Of why hello there. And American nightclub owner, the man behind New York's Studio 54, Steve Rubell. Darling. So <laughs> let's uh, go back over to Walt Whitman for just a moment. So you grew up in a modest family. You held a number of different jobs in different towns, sometimes a teacher, sometimes a journalist, sometimes an editor. There's yeah. a story 
from this mm. period of your life that has been widely disputed. I want to ask you about disputed, it. Wildly disputed. Wildly So while you were teaching in South Hold, New York in 1840, yeah. uh, a local preacher accused you. Oh, I'm sorry. What? On fire. Just go on. South Hold, New York was on fire in the 1840s? Yes. Yeah, per- perennially fire. That's, New York, has, it seems like there have been a lot of eras where New York has just been on fire. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. incredible. I really like how America's on I mean, fire today. Knock on wood, <laughs> you know, for New York right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no so fires. Yeah, 1840, 1840. Apparently South Old New York is also on fire. Yeah. Uh, a local preacher accuses you of being a sodomite. You oh. are tarred and feathered mm-hmm. and run out of town. But biographer Justin Kaplan notes that the story is likely untrue because there are records suggesting that you vacationed in that town afterwards. <laughs> and so my question is, is there any truth to the story? And if there is, how and why would you continue to go back to South Old New York on vacations? Okay, so the way this happened, um, I was accused of being a sodomizer. A sodomizer. A sodomizer, Gotcha. And that was big. That was really, really bad. Uh, And they tarred and feathered me full on. They then shot me in the back of the head. Oh, my God. Oh, my. I was then uh, put into uh, execution-style shot in the back of the head. Jesus. And I didn't feel it, which was kind of surprising. Like, it didn't hurt that bad, Mm. you know? Uh, considering my skin, you know what I mean? With all the fish eating it. Right. So I had like tender skin, but surprisingly the tar and feathers didn't hurt, hmm. nor did the bullet in the back of the head. Huh. What did hurt was when they threw me down that hill with all the blades of grass and I fell down for like a good couple of minutes. You must have picked up a lot of grass on the I, tar. I uh, did. Can I ask I a did. question? I yeah. wanna, so you're saying that these people, they tarred and fretted you, they shoot you in the back of the uh, back of the head, yeah. and then they throw you down a hill, and that's when you start feeling pain. A lot the of pain, pain of yeah. the leaf, leaves of grass yeah. cutting into your skin. Yeah, that really sucks. For some reason, these leaves of grass are cutting through the tar and the feather, yeah. and they are fine, and they are piercing your delicate, delicate skin. Yeah, my skin was really delicate mm. i didn't yeah it really really sucked i see and so that all happened i took a bath in the water fish cleaned me off mm-hmm. i fell down another hill and same thing happened and i started a new life elsewhere where i started doing poetry and stuff because i was like well if i'm gonna you know i uh i don't want to get called a sodomizer anymore so i was like i'll just do poetry mm-hmm. you know what i mean i think this is interesting because you're suggesting that you were doing something, some occupation yeah. beforehand that, that there was a danger of you being called a sodomizer. And so your solve for that was, I'm going to be a poet because you cannot accuse somebody of being a sodomizer when they're a poet. Is that well, right? I think what happened was I was doing a journalist thing and mm-hmm. I was reporting and I started off this headline with, I might be a sodomizer or this news company is not using trusted... <laughs> articles anymore i threw a party once at studio 54 <laughs> the, the title of the party was i might be a sodomizer or it was a big it was happening. a big hit yeah mm-hmm. you, you your party steve rebel didn't have the or at the end that uh what women describing yeah. it was just i might be a sodomizer <laughs> certainly not that's, it. that's right <laughs> see, and i dressed like... as a giant question mark <laughs> So basically, you write this story yeah. as you're a journalist. You write the story that starts off with saying, I might be a sodomizer or. Or. And then this preacher reads that. I'm assuming they just stop at that part and they're like, 
guys, this guy, what women's a sodomizer? We got a tar feather and get him out of town. Yeah. So then you decide you're going to start doing poetry instead. This is the inciting incident for your career as a poet. Yeah. And then, but the, the thing that still doesn't make any sense is the reason why this story is disputed. Yeah. Is that you then go back frequently to South Hold, New York on vacation. Yeah. It's always at the very last day I get recognized again. Okay. And I get tarred and feathered. <laughs> I get shot in the back of the head. They throw me down a hill. Which, I feel again, every... is the only thing that hurts. Yeah, the that's that the part you. that sucks. Too I feel much. every single blade of grass scrape against it's my It's almost skin. like you're a superhero whose only vulnerability is blades of grass. Might be. Grades yeah. of black. I'm sorry. Blades of ass? <laughs> no, blades of ass. We'll get into that uh. later. <laughs> I was going to say... Blades of grass are like your yellow. Yeah. Yellow? If you're Green Lantern, <laughs> you know, you're I, yellow. Everybody so knows many, that. There are so many other examples you could have used. You're yellow. <laughs> More <didn't> digestible <laughs> examples. Green Lantern's ring doesn't work against anything that's yellow. Walt How about uh, kryptonite? Kryptonite would have been an I've never one. heard of it. <laughs> so wait, 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 wait. The Green Lantern can't hurt anything that's yellow. That's right. That is quite a vulnerability. It is. And Golden Age Green Lantern can't hurt anything that's wood. Oh, Mm -hmm. I don't need it. So, you know what would have been safe? Would have been the Mud Club. Oh, the Mud Club would have been safe against his his ring. And he would have thought, you know, this club is made of mud. I can do anything I want to it. Come the Green Lantern. But then it was made out of balsa wood. Ends up being made of balsa wood. Mm -hmm. But but why then would you keep on going back? If you know you're going to get tarred and feathered again, you know you're going to get recognized, you know you're going to get rolled down this hill and get cut by blades of grass once again, why would you keep going back to South Hold, New York, Walt Women? So... The bullet in my brain mm-hmm. really affect my memory. Oh, so like the movie and, Memento. Yeah. You didn't remember yeah. that this is what happens. <laughs> is that what happens to Memento? Now, he what, gets shot in the back of no, the head. No, he gets and then... beat up and he loses his ability to make short-term right. Memento yeah. isn't the name of the character. No, 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 no. <laughs> my name, Australian is, actor my name is Steve Memento, <laughs> and I'm here to solve a crime. Here's my mementos. <laughs> uh so, so you yeah. just didn't remember that this is what this town used to do to you. Yeah, and I used to also blame back. that on why I did so many versions of Blades of Grass. I mean, that makes a lot more sense that you just kept on forgetting that you had already published Blades of Grass. No, but I was also using that as an excuse because it was a God. it was a good money grab. So somebody you know? would remind you, oh look, you already published Blades of Grass, and you were like, oh okay, now I remember. Oh totally, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's it go was, back to uh, Steve Rebell for just a moment. But really moment. quick, I love the Blades of Ass. I think that's my favorite part. Blades of Ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The hairs on a butt. You should have put that in your poem. I love the hairs on a butt. The Blades of Ass. Uh, that's something we have in common, Doc. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of very butt. strong sexual content in Blades of Grass. It wouldn't surprise me if there was Blades of Ass somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I was super horny at the time. Uh, uh, yeah. Let's uh, talk to uh, Steve Rebell for just a moment. Uh, so your early life, you're an avid tennis player growing up, but you decide against trying to go pro. Was that because you didn't really like tennis? Did you have a stronger pull in a different direction? I'm just wondering if that was a conscious decision or just like one of those things that's lost to history. I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. It's because I made a really concerted effort instead of playing tennis and maybe being good at it Mm -hmm. to just go to school and be shitty at school. (laughs) 
I made a choice. Your passion was to be bad at school instead of being good at tennis. That's right. My passion was just to really fuck around in school, (laughs) Jared. Yes. Dude, Uh, tennis players are the most badass people I've ever met. Are tennis players the most badass people you've ever met? Well, they do have lots of legs. (laughs) I don't mean multiple legs. I mean, there's a lot of leg there. That would explain a lot, though, like about why Serena Williams is so good. Like, has anybody ever checked... To make sure she doesn't have extra legs. That she's not wearing pants that are just a pair of legs. I and think they that might be legs. the yes. reason why female tennis players have to wear those skirts and aren't allowed to wear pants just to just to make sure they, that they might don't have, have extra, extra legs. Extra legs, darling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, yeah, I mean, I certainly checked to see if uh, John McEnroe <laughs> had extra legs when he came to Studio 54. Because <laughs> he yeah. only had a third leg, <laughs> darling. Humana, humana. Oh, boy. So uh, let's talk more about your uh, education, Steve Rebell. Sure. I also read that you failed at a dental school. I, I had aspirations to work with people's teeth. I see. I always had a fascination for warm mouths. (laughs) I see. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to learn that there is nothing that you can't make into some sort of sexual innuendo here. (laughs) Innuendo? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I love the warm mouth. (laughs) Anyways, so... Uh, Don't do an impression of me. (laughs) You invite me on your show. It's the highest form of flattery, Steve Rebell. How dare Getting an impression done of you. I would love it if you guys were just doing impressions of me the whole time. Uh, I'll do one. I'm Jared. I'm mean. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. (laughs) Yeah. So I know you probably couldn't see it at the time, but do you think that maybe you harbored any resentment towards dentists? Because you you failed at a dental school, like maybe maybe this is something that um, that resonated throughout your entire life. That like uh, absolutely, I don't know. Yeah. Jared. No dentists allowed at Studio Fifty Four. How could you tell that? Though? I could pick them out in the line. Really? I saw them with their little dentist eyes, and their little <laughs> dentist fingers. I was thinking fingers too. Yes, <laughs> dentist, dentist fingers. fingers. You can always you... tell a dentist with his little spider fingers. Because you gotta have nice thin fingers in order to get in the mouth and like do the actual work. Exactly. Yeah. See? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that part of dental schools. They just they just measure the thickness of your fingers, and if they're too thick, sorry, buddy. Sorry, buddy. Mm-hmm. That's uh, why I failed. Oh, because you're cause you you're know thick what fingers. they say: thick fingers, no dentist school. <laughs> I that is that. the expression. That's what they say. Uh, yeah, look at finger. Uh, teeth. If your fingers are too thin, can't. Uh, oh, yeah. That that is the age-old expression. Yeah, and you can tell because of how well it rolls off the tongue. Unfortunately, we've got to take a short break. What? Uh, but we will be right back with Steve Rubell and Walt Whitman on Famous Dead People. Stay with us. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead. Hey, everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends. All that stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments that you want to shoot over to us, whatever. We love hearing from fans. Uh, Also, check out my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is out now. It is hilarious. I hope that you will check that out. 
out and read that and uh, leave reviews, awesome reviews on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or whatever and tell your friends to read it because it's super funny and I want that money. Also, go check out JaredBarrington.com for all the latest on my show dates and uh, up-to-date project information. And lastly, if you really like Famous Dead People and you want to send us some money to help keep the show on the air, go to RadioForBrooklyn.org slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support This Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are 19th century poet and essayist famous for works such as Leaves of Grass, Walt Whitman. Walt, there to meet you. And legendary Wait. American nightclub owner and entrepreneur, the man behind the infamous <laughs> New York disco Studio 54, Steve Rubel. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm 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 sniffling because I just during our break I went to the bathroom and had a little bit of nose candy. You are covered from head to toe in white powder. It looks like you got into a flower fight. Mm, like well, we it wasn't baking. a flower fight, darling. <laughs> You know, how much would you just, cocaine is a wonderful exfoliant. Would you just just show us like how much cocaine you have in your pockets right now? Because I suspect that it is lining every inch of your body. Sure, I'll pull out the bags one by one. Here's a bag. Okay. Here's a bag. Here's a bag. Wanna, Here's a bag. Here's a bag. Just, Here's a bag. I just want to point out for the uh, for the listeners that each of these bags that Steve Rubel pulled out is the size of a uh, a uh, a kitchen. Uh, garbage can. These you know gallons. what they say. Yeah. Big pockets. It is basically uh, lots of cocaine. Steve Rubel has basically pulled out ten uh, beanie bags uh, of of cocaine, and now we can just like sit on them here in the studio. Cocaine. I love it. Yum 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 yum. <laughs> Uh, what a good time to be alive, huh? What a great time to be alive. Uh, <sighs> now, Walt Whitman, you were not uh, an imbiber yourself. You did not drink. Uh, yeah. For most of your life, you supported the temperance movie. You even wrote a novel promoting temperance called Franklin Evans. Uh, now, you later said that Franklin Evans was an embarrassment for you. You called it um, sod, I believe. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the story of Franklin Evans? Like, how how did this novel, this yeah. fictional novel, promote temperance from alcohol? Gross. And also, why were you so embarrassed by it later in life? Disgusting. So, uh this schmuck was a real virgin, right? Uh, Franklin Evans. Franklin Evans. Okay. He's a virgin, right? He's a virgin. He's a loser. He's like 32, still holding on to it. Like, you know, like Mrs. Wright is just going to walk right in front of him. Like, he's not going to have to do any of his own work. Mm. Like, he's not have to be charming for like two minutes, you know? And he didn't like drink. He didn't smoke weed. He didn't do cocaine. He didn't do any of those things, Ugh. right? <laughs> yeah. He... Cocaine, there was a form of cocaine available in the 1800s, and he just said, no, no, I'm a good little virgin boy. And he used to walk around telling everyone, you got to be straight edge. That's like the only way to do it. And he would be at parties, and he would start hiding alcohol, uh, the cups, you know, the red pixel. The the red uh, solo cups? Solo cups. Hmm, You had those in the 1850s? Yeah. Hmm, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Were they, and, were they? I believe you. You don't need to get confrontational yeah. about it. I believe you, all women. Thank you. What? Yeah. what no, you I was just going to ask if they were Han Solo cups, but the moment has passed. <laughs> they were Han Solo cups. Good. Yeah. 
uh, in promotion of Solo. Yeah. Everyone's favorite. My favorite Star Wars film. <laughs> yeah, Solo. It's good. You know, Charles Gambino carried it. We all thought he would. He carried the movie. So obviously the best Star Wars movie of all the stories. I loved it when that robot woman died. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They took her brain and put it into the Millennium Falcon. That was a thing that was not creepy. Spoiler alert. Oh, God. If you haven't haven't seen Solo by now, here's some advice. Don't fucking see Solo. (laughs) Yeah. Sad times. I think that was going to be good, too. Okay, so you're saying that Franklin Evans, the virgin, is hiding solo cups of alcohol around this party that he's at? Yeah, and I wrote the whole novel, 1,800 pages of it. 1,800 pages. Yeah, of this novel I wrote. He would just go to party after party, and just that's all he would do. Just hide alcohol around the party. Yeah, he would burn it. He would throw it away. He just ruined every single party he went to. Hmm. He would um now this was a this was a novel that was supporting temperance, right? This is a novel yes. that was supposed to be pro Yeah, but this is my talking about it being ashamed of it now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so he looked at, he would also stop people from hooking up. Okay. So Ugh. he would uh see that a sock was on the door. Mm-hmm. He would take off the sock, uh burst down the door, scream at the two people hooking up. And then force their clothes back on each other. Force you dress them for them. Yeah. And he would also go through all the condoms with a pair of scissors and cut them all in half. Ugh. Wow. So that you couldn't have, you know. You could not Well, have you could safe. still have sex with a condom cut in half. But you couldn't yeah. have safe sex without the condom. Yes, would also, but it feels better. <laughs> he would also go through everyone's purses, all the ladies' purses. Mm-hmm. So he was cutting condoms in half, and then he would take everyone's birth control. Oh, wow. So that not... Like, take it orally? He just eat yeah, he everyone's, just eat birth, everyone's control? birth control? So that no one else had birth control, so that no one could have sex. God, I bet he never had a period ever again for his whole life. <laughs> Actually, he had a lot of periods. No, it, it, it caused him to have periods. It, it did. It, he took so much of it, it had the reverse reaction. Oh, my God. And he bled out of everything. Jesus. And rotten eggs were just coming out of him. Is, this the, is that how the book ends? He just dies from no. having taken everybody's birth control pills? No, he rules the world. He becomes president. <laughs> he becomes president of the world. It's well, in pr- he was the hero of this story. Of course, of and course. At first, everyone was mad at him, but by the end of every party, people got were happy with him. They realized that they had yeah. been making a mistake by imbibing and maybe trying to have sex. Yeah, gotcha. and so I just copy and pasted that story eighteen times because mm-hmm. that math works out so that it's like a hundred something mm-hmm. pages. So, so I just you copied said it and was, pasted. There was like 1,000 plus yeah. pages, this novel. Yeah. Gotcha. And so and why why did this novel embarrass you later in life? Uh, it was pretty dumb, right? Like the way I'm <laughs> describing it. It's a stupid novel. I admitted to copy and pasting it 18 times. I think he that- He became it, president of the world, which isn't real. I you think know. that a, a, a skilled writer such as yourself, all women, could do that story and make it good. Well, thank you. That is, a, that is a push and belief of mine. I think that you can take any script and make it into a great movie. I think you can take any plot and turn it into a great book. Just well, as, It just has to do with the skill of the writer or the director. I don't I, believe Walt <laughs> could do shit with that. What? I spent 400 pages describing him having- Periods. Oh, I can't believe that sounds insufferable. His balls were bleeding after a while. It sounds uh, not that unlike David Foster Wallace, if we're being honest. Four hundred mm. pages just describing this dude dying of of, uh, of period blood. He was not dying. Not just dying. Just keep becoming stronger. He just I guess. grew eggs and then they would break <laughs> apart. And he had to bleed them out. Another man. <laughs> 
band from Studio 54. David Foster Wallace. David Foster Wallace. Well, what was wrong with David Foster Wallace? Insufferable. <laughs> Do I need to say anything more? Always going on and There's on. There's a slot about for Barbara Streisand and a slot for David Foster Wallace. Gets, <laughs> guess who gets in? Barbara Streisand. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, so let's talk about some of your first entrepreneurial adventures, Steve Rubell. So, oh, they were all adventures. So you did a tour with the National Guard. I, yes, worked, I did. I'm an army man, darling. You, <laughs> worked, I mean, it's something that anybody could guess just by just by the way you look and sound. Yes. Uh, so you worked also for a brokerage firm for a bit. I hated that. Yes, you, it seems like you did not uh, care for that. I didn't did you, like it. Was there other things about it? It seemed like you were always going to work for yourself. It seemed like you were always going to be an entrepreneur. But were there other things about the brokerage firm that you were like, this is not for me? Numbers, 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 numbers. <laughs> Didn't not really sweating the the number details. Mm, I can see how the numbers go up, numbers go down. <laughs> not interesting. <laughs> not a thing I wanted to be doing for my entire life. I feel like this is gonna bite you in the ass uh, later in your life. How dare you say that <laughs> such a thing could happen to me, Steve Rubel? So your first entrepreneurial adventure, you opened two. Uh, restaurants called Steak Lofts. Sure. Um, and I'm assuming that's a chain that you franchised, Steak Lofts. Yes, that, that was they the were thing? Steak Lofts. Okay. People would go, they eat a steak. Okay. But little did they know what they were really eating were the supple thighs of sheep. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was the bodies that got burned in your... I'm sorry. That was later. <laughs> okay. That sure. was the that was a party we actually threw that was called Eat the Bodies. <laughs> Eat the bodies. Everybody knew what they were getting into with that. That's good. That's they good. all ate the bodies. Liberace eating the bodies. Liza Minnelli eating the bodies. Paul Williams, yum 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 bodies. <laughs> I bet celebrities would love human meat when yeah. you really think about it. The yes. most rare of meat. The most know? rare of meat. <laughs> they feel like they're the best people on the world. They should get to imbibe in the in the uh, the forbidden uh, desires of the flesh. Yes. Yeah. You know? In this case, it wasn't the rarest of meat. Are you meat. a snake? It was the most <laughs> well, <laughs> Am I a snake? Yeah, you, just, you really hold on those S's. <laughs> you know, my I'm mother afraid. was a snake. You're gonna have Fair to enough. answer yes. the question, Steve Rebel. Are, Are you, you a snake? A snake? <laughs> you just, those S's you just hold for like a second too long. It's very sinister. Yes. Yeah. Very you know, I, I just don't like that we're trading in this stereotype that all yeah. snakes hold on to their S's too long. Fair mm. enough. Yeah, you know sure Mayor some... Koch was a snake and uh, he did not speak with long S's. That's a very yeah. good point. Yes. And he was famously a snake mayor, uh, former New York mayor Edward. He was Koch. the first snake mayor of New York. Oh, that's good. That's progress. Now that you mentioned it, that bridge is long. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the mayor like, like a snake. Like a snake. Not all snakes are long. A lot of buildings <laughs> in New York are long, long too. Like, like snakes. Maybe all those buildings <laughs> are snakes. Well, I never thought of talk. that. You know, a train. Tell me about I'm a train. <laughs> Oh, that's so scary. The subways are just basically snaking their way through the city. How did we never figure this out? Uh, so frightening. Tell me, Steve the Rebell. The snakes are vipers. Uh, tell me. The Steve... snake, I mean, the trains. The trains are vipers. Tell me about these first experiences where you are running two steak loft sure. franchises. Mm-hmm. Tell me all about it. I want to know was this was it was a learning experience? Were the things that you learned there that you I did, then I, implemented at Studio Fifty Four? Yes, I learned how to uh, you know 
uh, hide the actual amount of money that I was making through. Okay. You know, through so you, you started I embezzling. Skimmed. I embezzled right away. Okay. <laughs> Immediately. Mm. I Day one, I was like, embezzle time! <laughs> Is it true that you actually started a, uh, a club called Embezzle Time? I, was, I read that on your Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. It wasn't very successful. Mm-hmm. It was in the uh, sort of mid-80s when Burger Time was a very popular uh, video, video game. Video game for yes. the, uh, the original Nintendo? Yes. I and so I opened Embezzle Time, mm. which was a, a, a Burger Time slash embezzlement-themed club. I am shocked that that did not become your main staple of your career. No. That is a shame. It was a sad thing, but not all business ventures work. No, some of them are learning experiences. You can't steal as much money from them as you would like. That is what your definition (laughs) of a of a successful business is: is how much money you're able to steal from the business itself. Of course, interesting. Skim, cash in, cash out. Skim, cash in, cash out. Skim, skim, skim. Oh man, you're really holding on to those s words. How dare! Uh, for somebody, yeah, for somebody who's been called that on their long asses, you really are holding on to those S words. It's <laughs> just the way that I talk. I see. Uh, so let's go back to Walt Whitman for just a moment. Sure. So uh, a few years Still after here. you you first published Leaves of Grass, uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you gain a little notoriety for Leaves of Grass. You then hmm. publish a book called Manly Health and Training yeah. under the Ooh. name of yeah. Mose Velsor. Mm, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that you used a pseudonym because you didn't want to besmirch your reputation as a poet with this completely different book where you talk about how to be a man. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I was also just at that time going by that name. You Oh, so you had decided to change your name to Mose Velsor. Melze Velsor. M- yeah. Melze Velsor? Yeah, that's what you said. Uh, well, I mean, from the Wikipedia, it says Mose. Mose. Mose Velsor. Yeah. So it's Mose Velsor. Uh, yeah, I was going through a bit of a midlife crisis, you know? Okay. And uh, I was trying to hit the gym a lot, gym being my garage. Mm-hmm. And although I was, I think, married at the time, uh, I started talking to women a little bit more flirtedly. I would like... Go check what? What the fuck do you, <laughs> you want? You're the gayest. <laughs> what? No, you're not. the gayest. No, 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 no. You no. are. You're I, the gayest man. I was chasing you're women. You're famous gay. You're more gay than me. No, 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 no. Steve Rebell, listen. If Walt Whitman <laughs> has not decided that he wants to be open with his sexuality, then it is our duty to let him go on his own sexual journey. Besides, mm. I'm being open about how much I love young puss, okay? <laughs> oh, boy. Now, oh, boy, Walt I would Whitman. Walk I gotta up also to women. Say, I gotta what? say, does it sound like something that a closeted gay man would do to write a book called Manly Health and Training about all the things that make a man and and uh, and, and the things that a man should do if he wants to be manly? That doesn't sound like a gay thing to do. It sounds no. like a very <laughs> gay thing to do, darling. No, no, no. Now, I would go up mm-hmm. to women and I'd say, Walt, right there. Mm. And they'd be like, aren't you the famous gay man? And I'd be like, no, no. <laughs> I mean, also, that doesn't make any sense because you had changed your name to Mose at this point. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I couldn't figure out. If I was a woman, out. I would have been like, I am not going to Walt. I'm going to Mose, Mose on right, yeah. away from here. That's what every single one of them said. And <laughs> I just I be couldn't... like, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Walt right there. Well, I thought, like, what? We were a lot more clever with our words back then. So, uh, you know. People were on board with that sort of wordplay. Yeah, you guys really lost your sense of the English language, you know? So these girls, uh, you would try to stop them so you could flirt with them. I would say Walt right there, and they were going to say, you're a famous gay man. I'm going to Mon Mose. Mose. Mon Mose. Mon Mose. 
over the other way. All right. So and, then what happened? Uh, that was kind of my men's health and training. That was like the first part. And then, Wait, so the first part of this book about manly health and training was just getting weirdly rejected by the women that you accost yeah, on the street. Yeah, I was streets? a pickup artist at the time. Ah, so I see. You'd try to wear, like, bright clothing. You'd wear, like, a pair of uh, binoculars around your neck. Binoculars? Yeah, just something to talk about. You know okay. what I mean? Okay, yeah. Uh, conversation starter. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. got gotcha. you. Uh, let me uh, ask you about a couple of the points sure. uh, in this book promoting manly health. Yeah. Um, just things that things that you said would help contribute to manly health yeah. and training. Yeah. Uh, beards, comfortable shoes, bathing daily in cold water, mm. eating mm. almost exclusively meat, Ugh. and nude sunbathing. Oh. Yeah. So anything that you wanted to comment on for that list that I just gave you of, uh, of what you said were essential items for manly health and training? Well, a good, a cold shower or a cold bath is good because it uh, rejuvenates. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It helps your body. Like There is some science to agree with that. Uh, a lot of sun, I think, is good. I've been told otherwise, but I think a lot of sunshine is good for you. Mm -hmm. uh, or at least I like it. Um, what were the other ones? A uh, beard? Uh, eating almost exclusively meat. That's what I do anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so you just meal threw it meat. in. Yeah. It seems like you were writing this book just, uh, it was the what things was that you were doing, doing already. Currently, yeah. And so, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, I just wanted to ask you one last thing about this book before we moved on. Sure, Is sure. there anything else that you remember from the book that you think is essential for promoting manly health and training? Uh, a big thing I think I forgot at the time was uh, eating feet. Eating feet? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shrimping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we would call it shrimping. So, like, uh, you know when you would, like, put a shrimp in your mouth and suck out that little shell tail. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was uh, essential for men's health back in the day. Okay. But you're talking about it with actual shrimp or you're talking about it with feet? With like, feet. So are we talking about eating feet like in this? In you try like to the... like treat a toe like it's a shrimp tail and you try to like suck it out of the foot. But obviously you wouldn't suck it out of the foot. It would just, you're just sucking on You feet, just try it as if you could. Okay. Oh, just like one of your disgusting little fishes. Yeah, my feet suck to my toes, and I would suck in other people's this toes is, yeah. for men's health. Ugh, ugh, what? Disgusting. I'm You're just, disgusting. I just really, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that that's not like a thing that is, you know, part of the manly health and training. You my know, editor of said this makes no sense, and he took it out. Mm, thank God. Shrimping is a big part of my health regimen. Is shrimping? Are we talking about the same thing? Shrimping is. But play basically. Yes. That, that's what it's, I didn't know that yeah. that was what it was colloquially called. Try to literally try to bite off someone else's toe. It's oh, really it's, sexy. That's not that what shrimping is. You <laughs> nibbling, okay. sucking on toes. Jesus, fighting oh, maybe boy. if you want. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are just joining, you're us, always sick. Uh, <laughs> you, <for the> no <laughs> matter what, you're getting sick. <laughs> you're like the next day. You're like, why do I feel so bad? I just feel like Probably garbage. I put a, it is Point maybe because I spent the last 12 hours with a foot in my mouth. Yeah. My immune system is run by dance and cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just joining us here on uh, Radio Free Brooklyn, I apologize. And you're listening to Famous Dead People. Uh, my guest today, my, my guests today are American nightclub owner, the man behind New York's infamous Studio 54, Steve Rubell. It's me. <laughs> and Steve. And. Oh, you came out of your vase. 19th. <laughs> 
<laughs> you slid out of my vase. Your little head popped out in of my vase. vase. What am I talking about? It is weird yes. that you brought a vase in to sneak out of. <laughs> my go-go boys carry me around in a vase. <laughs> in a vase. That is his method of transportation. You went back and... for too long. And we are also here with 19th century poet and essayist Walt Whitman. <sighs> Walt, right there, young lady. Let's um uh, talk about, you know, Studio 54 was huge. Huge. But it existed for only two years. Because 33 you, months. You kept on getting raided. Yes. You know, you got in trouble for operating with a liquor license. Oh, I knew you were going to ask me you, about uh, this bullshit. You also were raided because you were committing massive tax evasion. Oh. <laughs> I certainly was. And uh, the thing is, <laughs> you made the mistake of telling a newspaper reporter how much money the club made. I believe the actual quote is this is the only business that makes more money than the mafia. Yes. And for some reason they decided <laughs> to raid me. I don't know why. Yeah. It really seems like you kind of tipped your hat there. I don't know. You know, you let them, let them know exactly what cards you had. Uh, Was the mafia doing well back then? Uh, I'm sure they were. Yeah, they know, just were running 70s. around setting buildings on fire and claiming uh, the insurance. That's why New York was always on fire. It seems as though, I mean, that that kind of uh, lack of foresight doesn't really, it doesn't really bode well for you, obviously. But it seems like you didn't really care much for rules. It seems like you were always trying to see what you could get away with. Well, inside uh, Studio 54, they mm-hmm. were my rules. Oh. It was the Republic of Studio 54. Mm. When you entered, you lived and died by my whole ideas as mm-hmm. to who I am and what I wanted to do. And so you thought maybe if I just stay in Studio 54, nobody, <laughs> there are no laws that can affect me. I it could... was the Vatican City and I was the Pope. I see. And so you <laughs> felt completely fine with the rampant drug use, with the uh, cannibal where you would eat people, you throw human eating parties, Mm -hmm. uh, mountains of cocaine, Mm -hmm. uh, the tax evasion, the skimming. Uh, You were eventually charged. uh, You were eventually sentenced to three and a half years in prison. This is a disgusting line of questioning (laughs) for this interview to take. I apologize, Steve Rubell. I I promise you I'll move off of this topic soon. But I wanted to know about that time that you spent in prison it seems like you like. Were you still in promoter mode when you went to prison? Like, did you did you have any scams? Were you were you uh, uh, you know were were you making moves while you were locked up? I know it was only for like a year and a half. Well, I served. orchestrated an appearance at the prison of LaBelle. Of LaBelle, yes. Uh, I'm not familiar with this celebrity. It sounds like you a singer. Know, you know LaBelle. Do the you group know, LaBelle. Uchi Kuchi. Itchy, itchy, ayayi. Still a snake. I you're am. doing a lot with your fingers to try to prove you're not a snake, but you're still a snake. <laughs> I know that's a physical I thing. But... I'm a half snake. I never <laughs> denied this. It's definitely at least a half snake. <laughs> yeah, I know. We Super haven't seen that bottom Walt half Whitman, yet. not only are you a closeted it's homosexual, <gasps> you are a snakeist. Yeah. It's disgusting. We do not care for you're discriminating against Steve Rebell for being a snake. That's hey, right. Hey. Why don't you go take a take a bath in a stream or whatever you <laughs> used to do, Walt Whitman? The pond. Go, go, it's go, a dirty pond. Go fucking walk around in nature and talk about how the wind is your fucking boyfriend. Oh my god. Oh my god. I just want to point out something that Walt Whitman just said, which is that we have not seen the bottom half of Steve Rubell. He's just been in this vase. <laughs> That's because he's a secret. Up popping up. He has yeah. a secret. Mm-hmm. I'm being puppeteered right now by Frank Oz and Jim Henson. <laughs> <sighs> 
That's true. <laughs> oh man, it's I mean, true. I'm a creature shop creation. But that was that was true for your entire life, right? Ever than Wikipedia, was. that Steve Rebell, you were basically a character operated by Frank Oz and Jim Henson. Jim Henson. That's right. Henson. Surprise. Uh, so let me ask you this: So you used to run the line um, at uh, Studio Fifty Four, right? In out, in out. Gotcha. Out, now, out, in. Uh, in, I'm, in out. So things buy, that, sell, th- things that would go into whether or not somebody got into the club. Uh, they had to be attractive. Yes. Right? Uh, being a celebrity would also help, right? Sometimes. No. Not in Truman's case. Not in Truman's case. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. also, there was another celebrity that we just talked about. Um, LaBelle. Uh, David Foster Wallace. Oh, yes. Not allowed. Not allowed. No dentists, of course. None. Uh, and I'm just wondering if, uh, very quickly, you wanted to say, like, one or two more things that would be a definite no or a definite yes to get into Studio 54. Mm-hmm. Definite yes. Mm-hmm. Wearing plastic bags on your hands. <laughs> this checks out. This checks out. Is this like a fashion thing? Yes. Like, like, oh, I just love the look Like you're going to pick up some shit. Right. Plastic <laughs> on your hands. Like, like you just walk- walked your dog. <laughs> and you don't want to, you know. Plastic bags your on your hands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. This checks out. Plastic bands on the hands means you're partying in here, man. Yeah. Choose two, right? No. <laughs> really? That was going to be one of my no's. Okay. Yeah, plastic you wanna... bags on your feet? Yeah. How dare. Uh, yeah. Plastic How dare. bags on the feet? You can party in the street. That's yeah. right. Plastic bags on the feet? I am Out writing, of the street. I am writing Walt Whitman-style poems about how, how you can and cannot get into Studio 54. Better than Walt Whitman's <laughs> poems. Are you guys talking about me? I do yes. want to talk. Let's talk a little bit about Leaves of Grass and the sexual content in Lisa Grass, Walt yeah. Whitman. Finally. Uh, yeah. So it was extra shocking considering that it was released in the 1850s, which was such a more puritanical time. Yeah. Um, I'd like to read a few excerpts from your poem, A Woman Waits for Me, oh. which I think might outline why people might have been upset with you. Yeah. Uh, so, quote, through well, you, uh-huh. I drain the pent up rivers of myself. The drops I distill upon you shall grow fierce and athletic. And <laughs> correct, correct, sorry, sorry. correct my words. It's correct me if I'm wrong, but when you talk about draining your pent up rivers and the drops that you still upon you, these are references, of course, to, to diarrhea. To oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, poop play. Not what I thought. Well, it's not poop play. I just uh, I have a diet that just allows for all liquid. Okay, you know what I mean. So I gotta go to the bathroom before. I come. Gotcha, gotcha. So those are not references to semen. No. No, it is it's diarrhea. No, okay. if I'm in the middle of something, I'm like, oh my god, it's happening. And then I gotta run to the Not gotcha. everything is a sexual reference, Jarrett. How <laughs> <Yeah>. dare. <laughs> How dare. How dare. I am not trying to read into things. I just this, yeah. this is what struck me. It's like a Warshock test, I guess. It's you know, back then if you ate a lot of kale, it just went right through. I yeah, see. You know? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um So I just had to go and like evacuate. Sport, gotcha. You know what I mean? So then what does that mean um, when you say the drops I distill upon you shall grow fierce and athletic if you're talking about diarrhea? Okay, so that, I didn't mention this, but that is coming. <laughs> I didn't okay, have so. any transition. I didn't change the subject. So through you, I drain the pent-up rivers of myself, diarrhea. Yeah. The drops I distill upon you shall grow fierce and athletic. That's semen. Yeah, that's semen. Okay, uh, now here's my next question. Yeah. So uh, you originally gave copies of this to your brother's. Yeah. Did they think it was weird that you were giving them poems where you so evocatively describe coming uh, your semen drops that will become fierce and athletic? I mean, they had to learn somehow, am I right? Oh, so this yeah. was like uh, the older brother giving the porn. Yeah, to you know? the other older brothers <laughs> <laughs> who had to figure out what they were doing. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, I'm like the only 
cool person in my family, so I had to like hmm. lead the way. I know? see. Yeah. Uh, same poem. Same I wanted poem. to ask you about this. Please. Quote, Sex contains all bodies, souls, meanings, proofs, purities, delicacies, results, promulgations, songs, commands, health, pride. It goes on from there, actually. I'm cutting that off short. Um, How dare. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. It's, that seems like the kind of thing that a sex-obsessed person would write like after the first time they had sex. Um, yeah. Did you write A Woman Waits for Me After Losing Your Virginity? Well, women. Uh, yes. Wow. That's true. That's true. I right. hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> Blammo. <laughs> Don't cover each other's private parts in cocaine and do it off of each other. That makes a lot of sense. How dare. <laughs> Just uh, say you. I don't, I don't wanna... know why it bothers me. Just say how dare you. Uh, I don't. Uh... Feels like poorly translated. Like before, before a fight I'm beyond ends. grammar. Yeah, clearly. Before I'm, a, po- uh... I'm a post-grammar man. He is yeah. a post-grammar and post-tax uh, code uh, human being. That's Unfortunately, right. that is uh, or snake person. Uh, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for this week's episode wow. of Famous Dead People. That's would, terrible news. Uh, I would like to thank my guests, Walt Whitman and Steve Rubell, for joining me in the studio today. Woo. It was um, mostly a pleasure. Uh, I had a fun time. One final question for you both. Uh, do either of you have any comedy shows or Twitter accounts that you're big fans of that you want people to go check out? Check out www.louisperlman.com. He used to be one of my go-go boys at Studio Ooh. 54. Ooh, what changed? Dancing for me. What changed? How come he's not there anymore he aged out <laughs> he's older than 17 all right and uh walt whitman anything you want to tell people about uh uh i'm oh, sorry yeah. walt really whitman gross. excuse you i know that was really gross boner alert uh, <laughs> monday december 17th at 10 30 uh pat may and suleiman beggar to do another video game improv show where pat plays video games and does improv at the exact same time so you're able to like see the game and see the improv uh, and the show was December 17th at 10.30. All right, check that out. Check out all my stuff at jaredbarrenstein.com. Uh, rate and review the podcast version of Famous Dead People. Tell your friends. Hit us up at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. My name's Steve Rubell, and I'm here to say <laughs> I love being discriminatory in a mighty fine way. Ooh, yes. <laughs> You know, choosing who's in the line and who I who I pull in to dance the night away at one of my clubs. Um, <laughs> Wonder who this guy is. Clubs in <laughs> New York and other cities. Yes, in New York. I like rhymes and... that do that. <laughs> oh, my yeah. clubs in New York and other cities. <laughs>